Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm TH and Jessica, you know, of course. We are thrilled to have Michael Ann Valterra, the Seattle Money Coach. We are talking from the East Coast all the way to the Northwest Coast here, uh, coming to you on our podcast today. Michael Ann, look, all of our ex experts are awesome. It's like picking your children, but. I will say that the way that she explains money to us is really, really concise and simple. It's not over any of our heads. She doesn't complicate it. So listen closely to what we have to say. Um, so welcome to our show today. Thank you so much. I adore your show and I love working with women somewhere in the divorce process. So this is going to be pretty juicy. Yeah, we're really excited to start sharing some of the many tips you've already shared with us. Mm -hmm. Um, We were going to really focus today's call on money personalities Mm -hmm. and how they kind of predict how things are going to be when you're married, how it kind of grows and might change during your divorce. And certainly when you're on your own, really identifying the type of personality you are and the right coping skills and and support that you need. So let's first start with what is the point of having money and why is money important to you? Oh, so I love those questions. And I would just encourage people listening to answer for themselves, you know, why have money? Because when I do seminars, it's, it's another way to say it is what's the point of money? What's the point? Why have it? And, you know, everybody has an answer. You know, the point is, so I can retire or gifts for my children or I can travel or braces. I mean, there's there's no right or wrong answer. But I mean, TH, you know, there's a million answers. But what's interesting is when people talk about, you know, for them, what's important to me about money? You know, why why have it? Um, What that really gets to is what motivates you around money. And, you know, a lot of times I'll just give kind of the two most common sort of big, big fat answers, if you will. Um, Money is important so that I can do what I want to do. Or maybe you sum up your answer and saying, well, money is important. So, so I can feel secure. Right. So I can feel okay. Right. Those are two huge general answers, but most people identify a little bit more with one or the other. You know, I want to, I, so I can do what I want to do or so I can feel secure. And so those are sort of those two two buckets that we wanna um, talk about a little bit here. I feel like I can totally relate to being one of the people who wants to have money so that I can feel secure. I've always been a person who feels really strongly about owning my own home and feeling like I have like a place to plant my flag. I, that gives me a sense of being and feeling more settled. And like TH knows I'm a huge cash person. I know nobody to these days uses cash, but I feel like it helps me better keep track of like ancillary spending. So for security minded women like myself, what would you say are their biggest fears? Well, so, so half of people are going to identify more with being security security oriented like you're talking about the other half are going to identify more with being more freedom oriented so we kind of play those off of each other a little bit right but you're saying some of the biggest fears particularly when we get divorced is am i going to have enough am i going to be okay am i going to have the roof over my head am i going to be able to stay in control of my own ship right and a lot of women that identify the way you're talking jessica is they very much are when they get divorced they will cut every expense even self-care 
Yeah. Just so that they know no matter what they're okay. They got the roof over their head. They feel they, they need to feel safe. Yeah. Safety is like key, 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 key. And they really do identify with the word secure, right? I want to feel no matter what that I'm safe and I'm secure. And I mean, you know, I think the three of us know everybody's going to a degree say, of course, we all want to feel safe. Right. right? But, but there are a lot of other personalities that are also going to really prioritize a little bit more freedom in there too. And so that's where this goes a little bit different for different people. But do you think that people who want the freedom already have the security? Like, how can you have money for freedom if you don't already have security? I feel like it's how people prioritize things. Like, I feel like Darren spends all of his money on travel and like fitness and experiences. And he rents an apartment, doesn't own a home. That's not a priority for him. I don't go on the kinds of trips and vacations and do things that he does. He's away all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, so I I don't know, but I mean, I don't feel like it necessarily means that they have that security. I think it's like they're prioritizing differently in their lives. I also will spend my money on trips. Actually, I'm planning a trip with my boyfriend and all of our kids for March to go skiing, which is not inexpensive. But I'm already thinking like, I have my savings. I know how much this will cost. And I will happily spend that money for that experience. Like I will, but in my day to day, I will certainly forego things which aren't going to add up to the cost of that trip. Well, and I didn't have the security of that money. Mm -hmm. I could not possibly even think of going on a ski trip and splitting that 50-50. So that's why I was asking like, for security, yes, like we built a home together that we share 50-50. We contribute to the expenses 50-50. So now I know that my security, roof, food, health is taken care of. Mm-hmm. But then I can plan a trip like that. I, I think agree. that if I was concerned that I wasn't able to pay for the roof, shelter, and food, then there, it, that, no, I, I'm, I don't I'm even with what to you. say. I mean, there's no yeah, way. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That. So, sure. so let, let me do this for, for, for a minute. Let's talk about the extremes just to kind of help listeners understand stand it. Because, you know, most of us are fairly balanced. We have a little bit of freedom. We have a little bit of security. People that are extremely freedom oriented around money, they will say that the point of money is to do what I want when I want. And the point is to be autonomous and they will literally, again, we're talking about the edges here, right? They will literally trade security. They will trade anything so that they can basically be completely free, right? So they, they tend to be very generous personalities, but but very much on their own terms. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you think about the world of work, a lot of very intense freedom-oriented personalities, they're the ones that are very much can be self-employed, they, they hate the nine to five punch the clock. They don't want anyone to be in charge of their time, in charge of their schedule. I mean, it's a big deal. Freedom, 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 right? Mm-hmm. If, if you go to the other extreme, and again, most people aren't at the extremes, but I think it helps to understand who you are to just the boundaries. The edges yep. just for a second, you know? Mm-hmm. If you go to the other extreme and you say, okay, well, the point of money is to be secure. And, and so if you get to that extreme security personality, it, the, the point of money is I don't want to take any risk. They tend to be very risk adverse personalities. They tend mm-hmm. to not be the self-employed 
personalities. They tend to be super focused. They're the ones that are really like, yeah, who doesn't love budgeting? Right. You know, who doesn't love tracking their, <laughs> their money, right? Every and, penny. Every, you know, fun. and it's all about a stable roof over my head. They're not right. the personality types that are enjoying the speculative stock game, right? right. They invest in sure things. They, they avoid risk, they you know? Risk. And so, I mean, these are obviously two edges, but I think that the piece that is also interesting and neither are wrong, right? Like you said, we all have freedom. We all have security. Most of us are a little bit more oriented towards, I really feel like for me, I am a security oriented person versus a freedom, but half of all marriages are made up of these two types coming together, mm -hmm. right? Some people call it the spender versus the saver, which mm -hmm. That's a little simplistic, but, you know, two people that have different motivations, the freedom oriented person tends to be really attracted to the security oriented person mm -hmm. and vice versa, mm -hmm. right? So, so it's really common attraction pattern. So let's pull that into all of the divorce stuff, right? Because that's what we're, we're here to help yeah. people with. So yeah. what, how should people... Is, is one of the first steps to kind of self-identify what type of a person you are and how does that help you when it comes to like figuring out your financial situation yeah. in divorce? So, so here's why. So, so one is, it's just interesting for, sometimes it helps when women reflect like, oh my God, that's why me and my ex are not in the same place around money. It's just, it's another framework. I'm like, oh, no wonder we are fighting. I didn't think about it that way, but he's like, uber freedom oriented, I'm totally security oriented. It's a way of looking at, at, the, at the conflict sometimes, right? But, but I think that the other reason why this is such an important topic is when women get divorced, you lose the weight of the other person, mm -hmm. right? Because again, there's no right or wrong in your personality, but we naturally kind of balance out against each other. We, off, we operate almost as a natural break in our personalities when you're in partnership. Well, when you get divorced, your core personality is gets bigger. There's no one sitting on top of it anymore. Right, no one challenging you. Nobody challenging. So right. if you're a security-minded woman and you get divorced, you're like all in, you go big time, right? right. And there's, there's, there's good and bad in going all in, but it, it becomes much more extreme and the freedom-oriented person is like, oh, heck yeah, nobody is telling me what to do, right? And then that goes extreme. And so it really helps to, it's like Socrates, know thyself, right? Is this the money personality that you talk of, that you speak of? That you speak of? That's right. <laughs> what I speak yes. of? Tell yes. us about this money personality that you speak, I speak of. of. Yes. <laughs> Can you elaborate more on that in general, the whole yeah. philosophy of money personalities? And men versus women, as far as that's concerned, in general terms, obviously. So we all, we all, there's lots out there on the internet about money personalities, and there's lots of ways to, to get into it. I, I tend to um, go at it from what motivates you around money. So your core personality traits around money tend to be, like we're talking about freedom, versus security, but you can also be very highly motivated by love. It's kind of like the martyr personality around money tends to just give their money um, away to other people. Um, or you can also be highly motivated by power. Like the point of money is to take my vision and move it forth in the world, right? Could, now that could be like Mother Teresa in a nonprofit, or it could be Alpha Dude 
at, you know, as a CEO, but mm-hmm. our money personalities tend to come from how we were raised. They tend to come from, from childhood. And, you know, we, we all have obviously really complex personalities and, you know, you guys know that even people in the same family can be very different, yeah. but, but yeah. our cores around who we are. And when we trace like many personalities, chances are Jessica, if you look at back to when you're a nine-year-old little girl, you're going to see some of the same traits. Mm-hmm. You were probably always oriented that way around, you know, there's lots of things we could talk about instead of like necessarily the word, um, security and safety. And I mean, just there's a groundedness in that type of um, personality. I mean, there's just a lot of personality traits that come from way, way back. And then as we grow, then, you know, it's part of what's called our money mindset. We have a lot of experiences that either continue with our personality or we can have a huge thing that happens and can shift our personality. The The thing with the um, men versus women, you know, men have the same um, makeup. It, men are just as likely to be, uh, we'll just use that real old fashioned terminology, spender versus saver, right? Um, it's a little bit of a, it, it's interesting that women are seen as spenders more than men. Um, that's not true. That is not true. The reason that that stereotype came out was because as you look at, you know, all of the history, women were in charge of the household consumer spending, right? So somehow we got this moniker as being spenders, right? We are no more likely to be a spender personality, which isn't even a bad thing anyways, um, than, than men, right? What, what's interesting though, is that opposites tend to come together. It, it, It sounds like this, like, you know, I'm, let's pretend I'm 25 and I'm a um, real um, freedom oriented young woman. And I meet a young man. I'm like, oh, he's so grounded and he knows where he's going and he just right. feels so stable. Right. That stability right? is very attractive to someone. It's who super like attractive. All, yeah. Until you get married and then there's a lot of fireworks around money, right? right. You and can't make a purchase without him like overanalyzing it a thousand times. Bingo. And then yeah. that's why, you know, the whole divorce process exacerbates it because money personalities find ways to be at peace when they're married. And a lot of, t- I mean, we, we could, we could get into that, but I mean, you guys are more talking about, guess what? We're divorced. Well, right. right? And that's when all the stuff comes up so big. Cause here we are trying to talk about money right? in a divorce when we have found a way to sort of play nicely together, even if we have different personalities during our marriage. Well, but I kind of feel like I'll talk about my circumstance. Okay. So in my circumstance, I paid all the bills Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to be bothered with it. Not that he was worried about what the money was being spent on. He just didn't want to deal with it. And then all of a sudden, of course, it all makes sense now why he was going to take, he was going to help me by, by, you know, relieving me of that responsibility because obviously he was having an affair. So and I'm not saying everybody who's helping their spouse with financial stuff okay. is having an affair, just putting it out there. But in my case, that was it. So I had access to everything, but we were savers, mm-hmm. but we did go on great trips. So mm-hmm. we actually did balance each other out, but the controlling 
is something that I kind of want to talk about right now during the marriage, because there are a lot of people in marriages right now that are afraid to leave because of an overpowering personality from the spouse, generally the man, but could be the woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, their own credit cards, their own money, you don't need to see it. And, and, and that one person in the relationship controlling the money. And so how does that even fall into personalities and where do you stop? And you're like, wait a second, this isn't just like a personality clash. This is a problem. So how do you identify that? Well, so originally when you were talking about your ex-husband, I would have called him a money avoider, right? People that don't want to to, um, deal with the money, abdicate responsibility, or maybe everyone is very happily married, but one person just is not wanting to deal. So not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Um, but you're getting into, you know, money as power, right. right. And then money as power over. And, you know, again, one of the four motivations around money is money as power. It's shadow side is control. Right. The positive side is, Hey, money as power means that I can take my vision and, and bring it forth in the world. You know, like money as power gets a bad rap. I'll just say this real quick. If mother Teresa took a money personality quiz, she would literally score off the charts as money as power. Mm-hmm. Right. So money as power gets a bad rap because we need that power to create our vision in the world, which is what right. we're doing with X experts. I totally. mean, we've invested in ourselves and this exactly. mission exactly. to create a positive platform. But when you're in totally. a marriage, I also remember having, even though I paid the bills, I had to ask permission mm-hmm. for every penny I spent, by the way, I worked. Yeah. And well, I contributed. So, yeah. You guys are playing with both sides of the coin of money is power, right? Because money is power is needed to do what you guys are doing and bringing this amazing vision into the world. And it takes a lot of money and a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. You know, the shadow side is when you use money to control and when you take someone else's voice away. And so when women are in, in relationships with men that don't give them any say, you know, in, it, it depends. Money as a, a power often will pair with someone who is either money as an avoider or money as love. And so they, they tend to shrink from that, right? Yep. It can work until it doesn't work. Right. Until it doesn't work. Because again, for some people, it can be the beginning of an, an attraction pattern. And then, you know, you get this dark side where you don't have any voice. Should and someone, the moment you're voiceless is the dark side. If someone is getting divorced and they realize consciously that they and their soon-to-be ex-spouse have vastly different money personalities, would you say that as they kind of start on a new path and are looking for a new relationship, that it's important to be finding someone who has the same or similar money personality to them? Or... No, because like what you were saying before, it does make sense that someone who's a little bit more free would feel grounded by someone who's, you know, more conservative with their spending. This is such an interesting question, Jessica. This is such an interesting question. Um, I, I, it's not sexy to partner up with your clone, right? So it's not necessarily a great pattern to, to, um, repartner with someone who's exactly like you. But I think that that the key and why this whole discussion is so interesting for people is, you know, a lot of us got married really young 
well, nobody was talking about this. It's kind of a new subject in general, right? We're all just sort of doing the best that we can. But but if you're going to repartner in, dare I say, midlife, right? Um, the beautiful thing about it is you want to know who you are and you want to partner up with a new partner who knows who he is or who she is. There's nothing wrong with any of them. Right. But if, you know, if you can't talk about money with someone who's a potential new partner, huge flag. If they're not willing to talk about how they feel about it, what's worked in the past, what has, I mean, we all have crazy money stories. Right. Nobody has a perfect money story. It's a rip-roaring good tale to read if we were to write our money story. But you want to be able to talk about it with, with somebody. And that that's a key of someone who's open. Right. So tell us about this um, philosophy of yours, the elegant simplicity. Elegant simplicity. Yeah. So one, one of the things that I love about, um, it sounds funny to say women who get divorced, I love it, is, is you've got this bright, shiny, fresh, clean slate around money. Because by the time women get divorced, it's usually, it just feels like it's a freaking mess, right? And it's stressful and it's this and it's that, right? So now that I'm divorced and I'm on the other side, you get to do money the way you want to do money. And there's no wrong money personality at all. You get to do what you want to do. So one of my top recommendations is to set money up as simply, cleanly, and elegantly as you can. And so one of the things that happens is without necessarily meaning to, people start setting up massive accounts and credit cards and a credit card for this and a checking account for that. And it's really hard to keep your head straight around money when you've got six different accounts. This is the perfect time now that you're freshly divorced to say, okay, fresh, clean slate. I'm going to open up one checking account, one savings account, and one credit card at the same bank, right? Because the more accounts you have, the more money fog you're in. And when you money fog, money fog, right? You know, and, and when you look at people that feel really good about money, they feel really peaceful around money. They have far fewer accounts than people that feel very stressed about money. No, what I was going to say is, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And I feel like I'm a person like who likes to kind of streamline things and know where yeah. it all is. We've had a number of conversations with financial experts, though, and we've spoken a lot about the importance of credit and your credit score. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone you're saying get one credit card, but I feel like some of the messages that we've gotten have been, you should have at least two credit cards or more just to be able to get a good credit score. Well, and, I, and I'm not opposed to two to, to, to credit cards, right? You could even technically push it to three, but but post, you know, more than three cards, no, no. And, you know, here, here's the other thing that I would sometimes push back with some experts. There is what works in the realm of FICO scores and credit and, you know, things that are absolutely totally legit and logical mm -hmm. and what works with your personality. You know, right. there are some people that, are a little bit on the spender side or they're a little bit on the ADD side, right? They're a little bit on the, this is kind of a lot to handle side and I get it. So to recommend that you, okay, go set up three credit cards and this and that, just because that might be the perfect thing in the realm of FICO, FICO scores doesn't mean that it's the right thing for them as, as individuals. Because if you've got a history around debt or spending and credit card debt in particular, Right. 
and then you go recommend that someone gets three new credit cards. Yeah, not great. That's a setup for pain. So, you know, we just have to look at the emotional side of that as well as some of the advice because they're, they're not incorrect on the advice, but it's not one size fits all. I think what Mike Land had just said, honestly, is something everybody needs to stop and rewind and listen to again. Divorce is overwhelming. It's a process, but you've got a team. And then when you sign the deal and you have like the first day of the rest of your life, guess what? It's all up to you. So when it comes to money and budgeting, which is overwhelming for anybody, certainly overwhelming for a stay-at-home mom who's never managed the money or stay-at-home mom who has managed the money or a working mom who also helps manage the money. So no matter where you are or a non-mom, just dealing with money right. because now it's all on you. Just knowing that you don't have someone else to kind of like lean on or blame or kind of push things off on, you know, this is your show now. So I think really keeping it simple is smart. I'm definitely a victim and um, a recovering um, multi-credit card spender person. I yeah. like shiny things. Yeah. I like 20% off when I sign up. Yeah. I like points. I like freebies. I love it all. So my tip is I like literally unsubscribe to every single email for every single credit card I have because mm -hmm. I forget if they don't remind me. So that's fine. I don't need to know about the sale every week. I don't need to know that I have $10 I can save and then I go spend 150 Right. 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 Um, exactly. Sucks you in. I don't need to refer a friend so I can get a free flower. Right. Like, you save that $10. Really. And, and so what I ended up doing was I do buy a lot of stuff on Amazon and I do order my groceries through Whole Foods through Amazon. So I have an Amazon card where I get cash back and that's where I can like keep track. I wish Amazon told me exactly what I spend in my statement, but they don't. So it still gets a little overwhelming, but that one I do. And I do also have a travel card. So those are, and I, and I do have an Amex. So those are my three because right. Amex has no spending limit. So if I'm in a situation, that's my excuse, but you got to pay that in full. So just yeah, understand no, I, the credit card that you're, that you're pursuing. Yeah. I love your honesty on that. Amazon's interesting because, you know, we all, particularly with the pandemic, we all are shopping a ton on Amazon. And so I know that like for my clients and myself, when we're downloading and tracking money, we have a, the Amazon tab up on the computer so that we can see the order history because it's the only way you can see or track what you're what, actually buying. What you bought, yeah. That's right? weird. Yeah. The statement wouldn't list out. It just says mom. Amazon and the amount. Yeah. yeah. But the order history yeah. on the tab will. And so as soon as you open it up, you see it all. But yeah, you're right. And you know, the, the other thing to say, just to go into a little bit of a credit card theory, these cards, in my opinion, want you to stay big. They're, they, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. And so people think they're somehow going to win the credit card game, that they're somehow going to game the credit card billion dollar industry. They have our number down, right? Like you just totally listed out a lot of their favorite... <laughs> ways to totally. get you to spend money. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm well aware. Yeah. So part of it is, you know, if you're freshly divorced, it's a great way to go, you know, I'm going to take some control back. Right. I'm, I'm going to look for some of that elegant simplicity. There's enough going on in, in a post-divorce situation that you're trying to track to give yourself the gift of not having to look in six different places around money. Um, 
is it is a big gift to give to yourself regardless of what your money personality is but it's not even six places it's getting six bills and being oh crap bingo forgot about that one you know and and my kids had a card and i'm like what are you spending you're still spending well you know i didn't have whatever i'm like i i need the card i gotta cut it up like i gotta cut up the card and then my daughter had to learn the hard way she got her own credit card and she had to pay it off i'm like that's too bad like this is the only way you're gonna learn is it, that, that tough learning is, interest rates and late fees, like yeah. don't be late. Even if but you this is the same money. for people who are freshly divorced, right. who really never right. manage their own credit cards. It's the same thing. Like you don't know, not everyone knows what, what is the APR? What does that mean? Whether it's 11% or 24%, do I care? Like people have to understand all of the specifics and, and, you know, read the fine print to know that if they aren't paying their bills off in full on a credit card where you maybe don't have to, like, what is, what's the annualized percentage rate that you're then paying on those, on the rest of those purchases. Which is why I would say it's not wrong to start off with one card, right? right. You can add two cards, you can add cards. I wouldn't go over that. Um, but you know, it, this is why one of the things I love doing with women is helping them create that monthly and annual spending plan, because, you know, all of credit cards are just tools. They're just tools. The real question is how much are you spending and how do you know what you can afford and Mm -hmm. not be stressed out now that you're in your new life and you know, everything's changed, right? How does that annual plan help people emotionally when they're fresh out of a divorce? It, it's huge emotionally that the top number one thing is stress, right? Stress reduction to do an annual plan helps you see, oh, I can spend on X and Y guilt-free and people, their, their stress goes down, their anxiety goes down. So, I mean, part of it's definitely practical, right? You can see what you can and can't do, but post-divorce, you're really redesigning your lifestyle, and and how and you want to be happier than you've ever ever been as traumatic as divorce is you want a way to start crafting your next chapter but part of the stress around money is it's just very stressful to not see where's the money going how much do i need i i think that the practical piece is also looking at how much do i need right and ideally some of that's been worked through in the divorce process but not always you know sometimes people still need to see what they need to bring in Right. Well, this has been a very informative conversation, Michael Ann, and a lot of um, great tips and suggestions that um, we really hope everyone gets a lot of value out. You know, we always say that the money side of divorce is definitely one of the most scary parts and an area that causes a lot of fear in people. And at the end of the day, it's really about getting a handle on your own finances and understanding what you need to do and what you need to know so that you can keep track of it and not create additional stress for yourself on a regular basis. So it's a really important topic. And and one other thing, you are all, whoever's listening to this, capable of doing this. Yep. You may not have handled it in your marriage, may not have been your responsibility. You may know nothing, but you are more than capable of learning yep. and taking control. So whatever messages are in your head that you can't, it's not for me. I'll let someone else handle it. This is your life. Like this is your, this is your show. So run it your way and take the time to learn. 
because that's the only way that you're going to be able to control the rest of your life. Honestly, it is amazing. You know, and, and learning how to plan your spending, it, it is like you said, it's about taking control of your life. It's about creating the life that you most want to live. It's about letting go of stress. I mean, it is so powerful that I think the number one thing I hear when people call me is they're, well, there's a lot of fear, but they, they don't like not feeling in control. Right. Right. We all want to feel in control of our lives. So is there one thing that you wish you knew you are divorced yourself? Mm-hmm. So will you share with everyone the one thing that you wish you knew when you were going through your divorce, as far as it was related to money? The one thing that I wish that I knew is I um, probably would have brought in a certified divorce um, analyst and planner sooner sooner than I did. I, you know, I think being a money coach, I thought, oh, I can do it all myself, you know, because I do obviously a lot of money stuff for a living, but I wish I would have brought in um, a bigger support team sooner. And I wish that I would have started working with a psychotherapist about six months before I actually started working with a psychotherapist. Fair enough. (laughs) You know, there, there, there we go. That's okay. I, you know, I got there. Listen, that's what helps other people is sharing. And that's what Jessica and I do all the time. We know what we wish we knew. And so that's what we're sharing through X experts. So thank you so much, Michael Ann, for joining us today. And any questions you guys have about this podcast, email us at hello at xexperts.com and we will answer your questions. Thank you so much. And if they want me, just go to Seattle Money Coach and everything is right there, including their free ebook on how to stop stressing about money. We'll have all your information on your page on the website, as well as a link to this podcast in the article. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye from Seattle.